Today's class is sponsored in memory of Yosef Ben Rahel, Mr. Joe S's Alava Shalom, who all of us owe, owe a tremendous amount of gratitude for so many amazing things that he did for our community. Hashem, that Hashem should give his family tremendous beracha, and our class should be Le'elui Nishmato, today's is Yotzai. We've been discussing the last few days <clears throat> about the inborn competitive nature <clears throat> that Hashem placed in every single human. We are truly born <clears throat> to compete. We are born to fight. And we desire to be winners in life, in what we do. And we've been explaining that this milhama, this war that we're supposed to be fighting has one of two channels. The channel it was meant for, the reason why we have this competitive nature, the reason why we have this desire to win is because we are at war with the Yetzirah as we've been learning already for maybe a month already. And we must take this energy to fight our bad character, to fight our laziness, to fight the forces in life that don't allow us to become the great people that we were born to become. Clearly in life, there are these forces. That's what the competitive feeling was instilled in us for. But like we always learn, every time Hashem gives us a force, there has to be a negative way to use it. This world is a place of free choice. The Creator will never give us something and the only way to use it is good. Meaning, if there's no other way to carry out this energy of wanting to win, then everybody would be fighting their yeserah. There'd be no drug addicts in the street. There'd be no alcoholics. There'd be no gamblers. There'd be no people that are not living up to their, to their potential because they have an inner drive to fight. And the only place they could fight is the Yetzirah, so everybody would be awesome. It would be beautiful, except for it would not be their free choice. It would be robotic. It would be something that God gave them, and basically it's His doing, not ours. So in order for it to be our choice, there has to be another milhama. There has to be another war that we can expend those energies on that war. It's a meaningless war. But we could spend our whole life, and unfortunately we do see so many people, including ourselves, and we're trying to get better at it, that really spend so much time in a different war, fighting something else. And what it's doing is not only it makes us miserable being in that war, perhaps even worse than that, it's that it takes us away from the real purpose, which is to fight our Yetzirah. 
And that's why the Avot Levavot says, put away all the other wars you're having. Focus on this one. And we explain what is the other war that we're fighting all the time. And we explain it's the war of competing. It's the war of trying to be better than others. Again, I said, I said this yesterday. Make no mistake. A person needs to be ambitious in whatever they do to be successful. There's nothing in life that we should do that we should want to be average unless you're doing something bad. Everything we do should have an ambition to be great at it, whatever it might be. But it should be great for what you're doing. But it should not be great in comparison to. It's not great because it's better than. That's not why we should be successful. And it's not why we should have ambition to be better than others, to do more than others. We can get strength from others. We can learn from others. We see someone doing something great. Learn from him. But don't try to outdo people. That's not the purpose of life. And we spend, like we said yesterday, you could listen again if you'd like. We spend our life in misery, in so many areas, in frustration, because we're always measuring ourselves with somebody else. While we have plenty to be happy about, but because it's not enough, meaning someone else, as someone else has something more than me, they have more honor than me, they have more money, their business is bigger, their marriage is, uh, is it, the, the, they married a greater person, they went into a greater family, whatever it might be. We spend our whole life measuring ourselves with others and that's what defines our happiness and it's very, very unfortunate. So again, there are two unfortunate things that's going on. Number one is competing in life with others is only gehinam, not in the next world, this world. Most of the pain, take this to the bank, most of the pain, I don't mean 51%, most of the pain that happens in a person's life is because of this competitiveness that they have. It's not so much that they can't be happy with what they have and who they are. But the minute they compare themselves, they become miserable. It doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be ambitious. But you should be ambitious for yourself. You should try to make as much as you can for yourself. And never compare yourself to others. That's one negative thing. But I said worse than that even, even though it's not so good, worse than that is what when you spend your time competing with the world, you ignore the real war. The real war is competing with yourself to be a greater person. That's a real war. And you're totally ignoring it because you're wasting your time comparing your car and your house and your vacation and your friends and your honor and your status and your you're wasting your whole life with that which is bad enough but even worse than that you're ignoring yourself there's one way to expend this energy you got to choose the right way we got a nice quote from Theodore Roosevelt what is it, what's the line again beautiful comparison is the thief of joy you know where he got that from right the Torah, there you go. Tell it was written already for 3,300 years. We have it. And I'm going to bring you a proof. You ready? 
There is a mitzvah in the Torah. I mean, we're used to it, so we don't really question it. But if you look at it from a little bit, step back and look and see, you'll, you'll realize something is off. You know, we have our holidays, our hagim. You know, in general, by the way, in general, the Torah expects us, we're obligated to be happy all the time. Something that people probably today would say, not possible, be happy all the time. What do you mean? You can be happy once in a while. You can enjoy things once in a while. Be happy all the time. Yes. We are expected and obligated to be sameach all the time. Doesn't mean life is easy. It doesn't mean every moment in life is the way you expected it to happen. I'm not saying that. But with all of that, you're supposed to be sameach, happy, inner happiness all the time. But then we have certain days in the year that we're supposed to add simha. We're supposed to do things that even arouses more simha. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. Sukkot. Our holidays are times of simha. Which means, again, it means you're supposed to be happy all the time. But during the holidays, do a little more, buy some extra food, buy your children something special, buy them nice clothing, buy jewelry for your wife. Do something that even raises the simha, the inner simha. Sometimes as humans, because we share a body and soul, we can't let the soul only be Samaya. We have to give it some help. We have to give it some help externally in order to pump it up. You know, there's a story about two people, two men. One of them was blind and deaf. One of them was not able to walk. So they both spent their life in misery. This guy can't see, can't hear. And this guy can't go anywhere. One day, this guy, the guy who can't walk, decided, you know, I have a great idea. Why don't I go to the guy who's blind and deaf? We'll make a, figure out a way how to communicate with him. Through different, different ways, you know, pinching him, whatever. And together, we can, we can become something. He can walk wherever I want to go. And I could see and hear wherever is important to go. And together we could actually make a life together. So they made a deal together. The other guy liked it. He understood what the goal is. And they started and they started to live their life together. And they're doing great, much better than before. They're not perfect, but they're way ahead of schedule. They're doing great things. One day, they're, <clears throat> they're walking by a certain simha. There was a wedding. It was so full of happiness, the place. People were dancing. People were, were, were eating. People were drinking. It was like, wow. So this fellow who has no legs 
sees and hears what's going on, he wants to be in. He wants to go enjoy the festivities, but he can't get there. The guy on the bottom doesn't see, doesn't hear, doesn't have any clue what's going on. He's walking by the place as if nothing's happening. And this guy's going crazy. He wants to go. But he can't go unless he gets the guy in the bottom to get excited. So what's he going to do? He takes a bottle of vodka. <laughs> and he gives the guy, tells him, here, drink this. You're going to like it. He drinks it. The guy's, he gets high in Shamaim somewhere. When he's in Shamaim, he's all excited. He go, takes him to the party and he's dancing and he's moving and he's eating and he's living the party. The guy in the bottom has no idea why. But the guy on top was able to get him through some external factor to get him to be excited about something he doesn't understand. Now, this story is really the story of our lives. Sometimes, you know, the body has certain abilities and the soul, our neshama, has certain abilities. Sometimes the body is not aware of the simha that it could have. The neshama knows, for example, how awesome Shabbat is. The soul knows how great Shabbat is. Shabbat is such an awesome time of pleasure. But the body doesn't always understand that. He's blind. He doesn't understand. He sees what's in Shabbat. What could be over there? So what does the, the Torah say to us? You know what? On Shabbat, have kibbeh. What, what, well, what are you kibbeh for? The goal is to have your neshama full of simha. Kibbeh doesn't give you neshama simha. I want you to have all the best foods. I want you to dress nice. I want you to have your home look clean and beautiful. I want you to oneg Shabbat, oneg. Make Shabbat physically pleasurable. And anybody who has a sechel says, one second, Shabbat is about physical pleasures? Isn't Shabbat about a spiritual pleasure? Answer is yes. But sometimes the body doesn't understand the, the spiritual pleasures that are hiding in the Shabbat. So therefore, what do we tell the body? Go get excited about something that you like. Go have delicacies. Go do things that make you Samaya. And through that, you'll be able to enter the Simha of the Shabbat. So therefore, we have three times a year special days, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. These are special days that their job is to raise the simha of the person. During the year, you're always supposed to be happy, but it seems that every so often you run out of uh, energy to feel that simha. So you have to put in new effort in raising your simha three times a year. What's strange is, when it comes to Sukkot, the Torah says on Sukkot, you have to have simha, but more than any other day, more than Pesach. Imagine, more than Pesach. 
more than Shavuot. Sukkot is got to be on the next level of Simha. The Rambam writes, I'll read it to you. Af al pi shekola mo'adot, even though all the holidays, mitzvah li bahem, it's a mitzvah to do things, to bring out your simha. Behaga sukkot, but on sukkot, hayta mikdash yom simha yetera, it was more sameach than Pesach and Shavuot. Shene'emar, the Pasuk says, Usmahtem lifne Adonai Eloechem Shivat Yamim. Besides the regular simha of Yom Tov, on Sukkot, extra simha. Mitzvah, says the Rambam, leharbot besimhazo. It's a mitzvah to have extra simha on Sukkot. So again, every day is supposed to be simha. Shabbat, of course, we have Onik Shabbat to raise our Simha. Three times a year, we also have to go upgrade our Simha. But the highest is Sukkot, which is very surprising. Because on Sukkot, and you know, we don't do this 100% right, so we may not feel the question so much, so much. But the real mitzvah of Sukkah is that a person moves out of his home and lives in the sukkah, not eats in the sukkah. For most of us, we have our meals in the sukkah when we have bread, which is the right thing. But really, if you want to do the mitzvah the right way, maybe here it's too cold. There's other reasons brought down in halakha why we are lenient in not spending our time in the sukkah, like sitting in the sukkah, sleeping in the sukkah, studying in the sukkah. That's what's supposed to be. That's the real mitzvah of the Torah. You have ways out of it, yes. But now imagine you actually did the mitzvah the right way. You moved out of your palace. You built a beautiful home. It's lit the right way. It's got the right temperature. The furniture is brand new, comfortable. The carpet, everything about your home is so beautiful and comfortable, and it should be. Now comes the happiest, I'm supposed to <coughs> infuse during this holiday, the most happiness from any other day of the year. That's the goal of this day. What does the Torah say? Oh, go live in a shack. Are you kidding? The happiest week of my year? You tell me to move out of my comfortable, beautiful home to live in a shack? It seems there are conflicting messages here. On one hand, you tell me you got to be so happy. The happiest. And do things to make you the happiest. On the other hand, you tell me to do something that seems to be the opposite of happiness. If I tell someone, go live in a shack, he would be very upset. To go tell him during these seven days, go live in a shack, how could that promote happiness? 
And know what the answer is? The answer is what we spoke about before. You know, when you go to a sukkah, no matter how nice a sukkah is, a sukkah is temporary. It's pieces of bamboos, some pieces of wood. When you look at people's sukkah, you go into your sukkah, into my sukkah, into his sukkah. Sukkot are pretty much the same. There's no competitiveness on the, on the sukkah, even though today maybe they're trying to get that too. But generally, sukkot are sukkot. How nice can you make your sukkah? Nobody is competing when they're going out to live in a shack. We all look more or less the same. We're not looking at that guy and saying, oh, look what he has. Uh, in the house, you'll do that. In his furniture, you'll do that. In his kitchen, you'll do that. But in his sukkah, nobody who goes to his friend's sukkah says, oh, I'm going crazy. How come you got that sukkah? I only have this sukkah. Doesn't happen. Comes the Torah and says, you want to know how to become the happiest in your life? On the happiest days of your life. You know what you have to do? You have to stop looking at people. You have to stop comparing yourself to people. Stop competing with people. Don't compete with your neighbor. The same way you're sitting here for seven days and you're not looking at him. How he's better, how he has more, how his kitchen. There's no kitchen in the sukkah. There's no kitchen, there's no dining room table, there's no lighting, there's nothing here. It's simple, simple, simple. That's the way you achieve great simha. Stop competing with people around you. So the happiest day of the year, the happiest days of the year are days where Torah tells us, you know how you promote that? By getting out of your house and living equally. Now go back in the house. Shemini Atzeret, go back in the house and practice the same system with all of your luxuries. But practice the same mindset. Seven days to re to rewire your mind. That's what Henry just said. That, that's Torah's message. That what? That competition is, what, what do you say? Comparison is the thief of joy. Torah says, you want to enjoy your life? You want to take Sukkot to a new level? Stop comparing yourself. Get out of your home. Live in a shack. And practice that mindset so you have it with you for the entire year. Oh, beautiful. By the way, the Torah specifically says, at the hal- why Sukkot? How come the holiday of Sukkot is during that time? So there's a whole discussion in the poskim why Sukkot is during that time. Really, Sukkot should have been by Pesach. That's when we left Mitzrayim. That's when we had the, the shacks in the desert. Okay, we're not going to get into that now. But the Torah clearly says, that on Hag Sukkot, there's something happening during that time of year. What does the Torah say? Listen to this. Hag Hasukot Ta'aselecha Make for yourself a holiday of living in this shack. In this shack. Shivat Yamim. Do it for seven days. Not enough one day. To rewire somebody. You can't do it once. Seven days straight. Comes Duran says, Be'ospecha, when you start to gather, Migornecha, from your grain, Umikbecha, and from your wine press. Which means this time of year, we're not in the farming business. 
But every business has its time of year where people are reaping their profits. So it used to be in the world, over 90% of people were involved in agriculture. When was their holiday season? When was the time where they had all the cash that they made for the year? Well, yeah, when was that? It was during the time of the fall. They grew there. During the winter, things were they planted before. The spring came, things growing. They cut it, they, they uh, processed it. Bottom line is, when is the farmer's greatest time of wealth? During Sukkot. Comes the Torah and says, Haga Sukkot. You know when I want you to make this holiday? When you're gathering all your money. When you're making so much money, that's when you make it. You know what that means? It means that the most dangerous time, you would think that competition is only going to bother the guy who doesn't have. You would think the people who don't have, they're the ones who have to compete. Of course they do. So I tell you, no. The worst test of the competitive nature in us comes out when we have more. It's an amazing thing. So you're going to compete less because you have more. Your other guy doesn't have that much, so he's not going to compete so much. No. Excuse me, he'll compete more. Torah says not that way. The more in this area of life, the more you have, the more the competitive nature comes out in you. Says the Torah, therefore, during that time of year, when you're most in danger of bringing out this terrible nature in you, get out of your house and fix yourself and living in Sukkot. Such a beautiful, beautiful idea besides the Sukkot itself, but just to learn and understand about how life works. So much simha comes to a person when he just takes that portion of their life and just throws it out and starts focusing on competing in the right way. Let me tell you about a big beracha, about a big blessing. Everyone loves a blessing. Everyone loves a blessing. People travel for thousands of miles to get blessings, especially in times of need. People realize there's no way to turn. You need a bracha, I need a blessing. The Torah tells us about a very famous blessing. It's a very famous blessing. But let me tell you the background of this famous blessing. What is the famous blessing first? When Yaakov told the children of Yosef, they was Menashe and Ephraim. These were the two sons of Yosef in Egypt. He not only blessed them, he told them, listen to these words, Becha yevarech Yisrael lemor. When fathers will bless their children, where grandfathers will bless their grandchildren. They're going to bless them through you. And they're going to say the following words, words that I say every Friday night to my children and so many of us. Yesimecha Elohim, may Hashem make you ke'efraim bechim Imagine, I bless my son not to be like Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. Not like Moshe and Aharon. 
Not like David and Shlomo. Not like the Beit Yosef. Not like Rashi. Not like the Ben Ishad. I bless you. You should be like Ephraim and Menashe. Shocking. Are these the greatest people in our history? What, what's going on? Once you're already blessing somebody, bless him to be Moshe Rabbeinu. What, 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 are you, what are you telling him? You should be like Ephraim and Menashe. What's the message here? So let me tell you something very powerful. What happened before that blessing? It says that Yosef came to his father. His father's getting old. He's on his deathbed. And he brought his children to get a bracha from their grandpa. Beautiful. Something we should always look to get. Birachot from people who care for us. Sincere brachot that we learned already once. How important they are. So Yosef brings his children in front of their grandfather Yaakov to get a bracha. Who is the older brother? Menashe. The younger brother is Ephraim. So the Pasuk says that uh, when Yosef brought them in front of his father, so he put Ephraim on Yosef's right and he put Menashe on Yosef's left. He put Ephraim on Yosef's right and he put Menashe on Yosef's left. This way, when Yaakov was opposite him, facing him, he's going to have Menashe on his right and Ephraim on his left. So when he blesses them, he'll go right and left together, right on the firstborn Menashe and left on the second Ephraim, normal. And he came in front of Yaakov. Yaakov does the most odd thing. You never saw such a thing in your life. Which means Yaakov takes his right hand in the weirdest manner. He sends his hand and he puts it on Ephraim. Instead of putting it on the boy to his right, Menashe, the Bechor, the firstborn, he goes and he puts it on purpose on Ephraim, the, young, the younger son. And he put his left hand, he crossed over to the oldest. He put his left hand. The left hand is a weak hand. The right hand is, shows koash. Can't believe it. Sikelet yadav, the pasuk says. He crisscrossed his hand. But Sikel with Sechel. He did it for a reason, obviously. Ki menashea bechor. Menashea is the bechor. Why are you putting your left hand on him? And then he blessed them. You know, the famous blessing. The angel who redeemed me from all bed. Right? He gave him a famous blessing. He blessed them. After the blessing, listen to this. Bayar Yosef, when Yosef saw that his father put his right hand on his younger son Ephraim and his left hand on 
his older son, Nenashit, Vayera Be'enav, felt bad. He said, what's going on? You know, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, I don't know what it's called. It's, it's, it, you know, a boy with his brother, for the smallest things sometimes, they look and say, oh, why do you get that? Why do you get that? Imagine this great moment. His grandfather's holy man, they're coming to get a blessing. Look what he does. So Yosef wasn't comfortable with it. He went so far as to try to switch his father's hand. Such an important thing. Torah's talking about like it's the most important. To remove it and put it in the right place. He even told his father, No, 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 dad's not like that. He's there. This is the first born. See, I was just bothering him. Torah gave two pesukim of real estate for this. What Yosef did, what he's thinking. And his father refused. And he told him, Yadati beni Yadati. I know. He says, they'll both be blessed. But I know what I'm doing. Now, after that, Vaybarechem bayom after he already blessed them, he gives them a bracha. And he says, I want every father to bless his children. That you should be like Ephraim and Menashe. What happened? What happened is, did you see, did you hear anything that Menashe did? Did he move his father's hand? Grandfather's hand? No. Did he open his mouth? No. And the Torah tells us that his father did. His father joined. But Menashe and Ephraim, Menashe didn't say a word. His, his brother was put ahead of him. He deserves the right hand. And he was literally, it was stolen from him on purpose. He went out of his way to go the other way. Menashe doesn't open his mouth. No reaction, not even feeling bad. Because Torah tells us, Yosef, he felt bad. Yosef, he talked to his father. Yosef, he tried to change it. Menashe, maybe Torah is telling us, look what he tried to do. He felt bad. He tried to switch it. He spoke to him. And Menashe didn't feel bad. Didn't try to switch it. Didn't talk to nothing. Zero. Says Yaakov Avinu, this is the, big, the biggest beracha you can give your children. That they should be like Ephraim and Menashe. That they should see other people successful and not feel bad. They should see other people ahead in certain areas and not have any complaints. That Ephraim and Menashe will not be the same, but they're equally happy. That Menashe did not get affected by putting Ephraim ahead of him. By the jealousy that happens between people, between brothers like Yosef and his brothers. Like we see throughout history, Shaul and David. Jealousy. Doega Adomi, one of the greatest people, destroyed. Why? Because of jealousy, competing. Says Yaakov Avinu, this is the blessing you give your children. We don't even realize what we're blessing our children. 
We're talking all competitive talk in, on the table. How we're miserable, why this and why that. And then, you see Michal, hello, you, you, you missed the boat. The whole blessing is that you shouldn't compete. You should just have ambition for yourself, but don't compete. Don't measure your happiness with other people. Unbelievable. That's the blessing. That is the Birachan. That's so easy to do. It's one of the hardest things for a person to do. You know how hard it is? And I'll just end over this. I'm going to tell you how hard it is. You know the Kohanim, Hashem should bless them, and Hashem does, because they bless us. So after Birkat Kohanim, if you look in this Sidur, you will see after Birkat Kohanim, after Birkat Kohanim, when they finish blessing the Jewish people, so there is a short tefillah that Kohanim say. Ribona olamim. Again, this is the Kohen. After he blessed everybody, he's finished. The Hazan is going on, finishing the Hazara. Kohanim say a short tefillah. Ribona olamim, master of the universe. Asinu, we did. Mashegazarta alenu. What you decreed on us. And please bless us and they continue. Look at those words. Asinu, we did, no, not what you asked. It doesn't say we did what you asked. Let's say you did what you commanded. Asinu That you decreed on us. You know that word decree? When you tell someone, when you tell your son, give me a cup of water, it's not a decree. That's a request. When you command your employee, employee, go get me this check from that. Oh, it's not a decree. A decree is like a guy coming up and saying, I know this is impossible. It's like Abraham being told, go sacrifice it. That's called a gezerah, a decree. The Kohanim just blessed the Jewish people. Ribona olamim, master of the universe. We did what you decreed on us. Whoa, whoa, relax. That wasn't so hard. You got up, you said a few words, you blessed them. Well, what's the decree here? Say, that you decreed on us? No, the answer is that the Kohen is supposed to give a beracha with all his heart, and he should want everybody to succeed as much and even more than him. That's the way you're supposed to give a beracha. When you give a beracha to somebody, it should have no boundary. It should not be it. I'll bless you, just a little less than me. Make a lot of money, but always be below me. Yeah, your kid should be great, but a little less than me. Of course I bless you. I love you. I bless you. You should have everything. That's not Berkat Kohanim. That's, that's Berkat Kohanim. Berkat Kohanim is supposed to be done by Abba. Hashem to bless you with all the blessings. Like me and more. That's the right way to make a beracha. That's called a decree. So hard for people to be able to see others equal or better than them. And to ask someone to bless with such a kavana, such intent, such feelings, that's a gezerah. 
I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because it's hard. Don't, don't think if you've been doing this your whole life that, okay, you're a horrible person. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to live a life without competing with others and looking at others. It's not easy. But it is something we need to do. Bottom line, it's not easy. We've been doing it since we were born. Okay. But we could do it. We could fix it. Says the Allah, well, we need to fix it for another reason. Because we must channel our energy. We must channel our energy to the real war. Don't be distracted by this nonsense. It's going to take away your joy and it's going to distract you from the real, real greatness that you're destined for.